I like what Pastor Nichols said, come to the Word of God with an appetite. I always come to the table with appetite, <laughs> but God's Word of appetite, I hope that's true of you. Welcome tonight. Uh, got a smaller crowd than normal. I think this wet weather kept people away. Uh, people stayed home. They didn't want to drive in this damp weather, but you, stay, you came. Thank you so much. I hope our time together will be profitable for you. We're looking at continuing our focus on what to look for in a shepherd. I want to dismiss Children's Church at this time. Thank you, Pastor Rick, for reminding me. Children's Church will be dismissed right over here with Dr. Myers. Aren't they precious? <laughs> Okay, we'll continue our focus on what to look for in a pastor. We're going to look at tonight, I'll title The Shepherd of the Flock, and we're going to see the pastor's responsibilities that God gives us in his word, the duties of a pastor, and we're going to look at four things tonight in our passage of Scripture. We're going to look at the pastor's ministry, the pastor's motive, the pastor's manner, and also the pastor's reward. If you did not get a handout tonight, hold your hand up. Brother Phil, bring it to you. I think he charged a little extra for this. Handout for tonight's study. It's available if you want that. So let's begin tonight looking at the pastor's motive. I'm sorry, the pastor's ministry. The pastor's ministry. Looking at the wrong word here. It says there in chapter 5 and verse 2. Notice, first of all, Peter was a pastor. Did you know that? He was the pastor of the church of Jerusalem. It says there in verse 1, the elders, the word elders is also synonymous with bishop, overseer, or pastor. They all refer to the same office in the body of Christ. The elders which are among you, I exhort, whom am also an elder. So Paul said, excuse me, Peter said, I'm writing to pastors. By the way, he said, I'm a pastor too, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory of that shall be revealed. Then he says, speaking to the pastors, one, number one responsibility of a pastor is we see there in the pastor's duties is letter A is feeding. Feed the flock, he says there in verse 2, feed the flock of God which is among you, uh, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. So the pastor's number one job, primary job, is to feed the flock of God. There are so many churches today, they go to church and they leave hungry because the pastor did not feed them. And the pastor's job is to feed God's people with God's word. And so his duty, number one, is feeding. So the next man that you choose to be the pastor of this church, I guess you'll base it upon the message he preaches. They're going to have him preach several messages. And based upon that, you can choose. Did he feed you? Or would you uh, spiritually from God's word? So feeding is a pastor's duty. Go with me now. Hold your finger right here. Go with me to Acts chapter 20, please. Acts chapter 20. In this passage, Paul is speaking to pastors. Acts chapter 20. Look with me in verse 17, so you know who he's talking to. They're going to tell you what he tells them to do. Acts chapter 20. 
Peter told the pastors, which he himself was, to feed the flock of God which is among you. Acts chapter 20, verse 17, it says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders. Here Paul calls the elders the pastors of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Now skip down to verse 28. He said to these pastors, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock of which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to what? Feed the church of God, which hath he which he hath purchased with his own blood. I love that verse. You know, here's a verse that clearly talks about Jesus Christ being God. And notice the latter part of that verse is talking about that we are to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. When did God purchase the church with his own blood? On the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. And here's a good verse you ought to write down beside it, the deity of Christ. That God, the church of God, which he, God, purchased with his own blood. But notice here the responsibility of a pastor is to feed the church of God. The next duty of a pastor is also, I call not only feeding, let it be as tending. Tending or tend to the flock. As a shepherd does a flock of sheep, he sees that they're fed, and also he tends, he watches over them. And notice here in Acts chapter 20, look in verse 29, the first responsibility of tending the flock is to watch and protect. To watch and protect. Acts chapter 20, verse 29, Paul said, For I know this, after my departing shall grievous wolves enter among you, not sparing the flock. Verse 30, also from your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. And verse 31 says, therefore what? Watch. Notice he's warning them that false teachers will come from two directions. The first direction, verse 29, talking about from without. So they will come, after by the point, grievous wolves are entering among you. So false teachers will come from without. And verse 20 also, they will come from within. It says, from among your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things. Over the years as a pastor, I've tried to protect this church from false teachers. And uh, I've always tried to be careful who I allow in the pulpit. I believe I am personally responsible for what is preached behind this pulpit. And so I try to make sure that people get, they get behind this pulpit. I make sure that they believe what we believe and preach the word of God. But also, not only people come from without the ministry, people from, raise up from them. I've had over the years, there's been times people uh, in Sunday school class, teachers begin to teach things that are contrary to the Bible. So I had to kindly approach them and, and let them know this is unacceptable. Either you stop it or you have to quit or have to go. So false teachers will come from without and from within. So the pastor's job is to watch. Therefore, he says, watch for them. So that tending means to watch and protect. But also, number two is to warn with compassion. To warn with compassion. Now this is the duties of a pastor. To watch and protect as a, she a shepherd does the sheep. And also to warn with compassion. Acts 20, verse 31. And remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to what? Warn every one of you uh, night and day with tears. So he warns them of false teachers, of false teaching, 
and he does it day and night, and he, he did it for three, uh, several years with tears, talking about to warn with compassion. So the pastor's job is to watch, to warn, to protect, and watch over uh, the sheep. Let me show you something. Uh, I believe much of my success as a pastor, I can contribute to the deacons of our church. God's blessed us with wonderful deacons. One thing over the 44 years, they've never done. They've never told me what to preach. Never have. They make suggestions sometimes and may consider this pastor, but they never told me what to preach. That's not their job. That's God's job. And so that's what I appreciate them so very, very much. Some pastors have people under them that tells them what to do. And so I've always went to our deacons for wisdom. Many of the decisions I make as a pastor, I bounce off the deacons. Because I believe in the Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there's what? Safety. So I bounce off them and, and uh, make sure that, I'm in, that they're in agreement with what I'm saying. And because I believe there's safety and wisdom and counsel. But anyway, so a pastor's job is to feed the sheep, to tend the sheep, which is twofold, to watch and protect, also to warn with the compassion. Uh, Paul cared for his people. He did day and night with tears. Let her see the next pastor's duty, feed, tend, and oversee. Overseeing. Caring for the flock. The shepherd is to take the oversight. Now, if you still have your Bible, maybe your finger in 1 Peter. And keep your finger in Acts going back and forth. 1 Peter chapter 2, I read before. He said, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. The word oversight means to oversee, look after, care for. It's the pastor's job to oversee, to look after and care for the, uh, the sheep in his uh, flock. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, we read already. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer. By the way, who calls a man to be a pastor? Did you notice there in Acts 20, 28? Take heed, therefore, to the, yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer. My friend, the pastor's position is a God-called position. Somebody said there's too many mama-called pastors, not enough God-called pastors. And that may be true. I don't know. But it's a position God has called. And uh, many times I've been asked, Pastor, uh, why have you been at this church so long? I mean, realize the average day of a pastor in a Baptist church is about eight years. And this month is going to my 44th year. And I tell people, uh, it's, uh, it's because of you. You've put up with me a long time. <laughs> but from the very beginning, as a pastor, I, I believe God called me here. And I said, God, if you call me here, I'm not going to leave unless you call me away. And many pastors will leave when there's problems. Did we ever have problems here? Yes, we have. Did I ever think about leaving? Yes, I did. Did I ever want to leave? Yes, I did. But God called me. And I believe if he called me, if it's time for me to leave, he'll tell me to leave. And he hasn't as of yet. <laughs> so I'm grateful for God and the grace he's given to me. And then I've been able to be, be your pastor for many, many years. I'm grateful. I'm honored that I was able to do that. So being a pastor is a God-called position. Number two, we saw the pastor's ministry. Number two, now look at the pastor's motive. The pastor's motive. 
is not constraint, but consent. The pastor's motive is not constraint, but consent. Go back to 1 Peter, please. And verse 2. Here, Peter, as a pastor, speaking of the pastors, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he tells these pastors, pastors feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by what? Constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but for a ready mind. So the pastor, his motive is not constrained. He's not doing it because he constrained to, because he consents to. He, the pastor must serve the Lord with a willing heart. Serve not because he feels like he has to, but because he wants to. The pastor must serve the Lord with a willing heart. He should serve because he loves Christ and he loves the flock. He should serve not simply because he has a job to do. And it is a big job, but that's not the mo his motive for serving. His motive is serving because God called him, and he serves with a willing heart. It says there, willingly and not for filthy Luke's sake, not by constraint, but a willing to do so. Let it be, the pastor must serve, must never serve with personal gain. The pastor must never serve with personal gain. It goes on to say in verse 2, it said, take the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre. What is filthy lucre referring to? The word lucre basically means eagerness to gain, whether it be money, prestige, power, or promotion. It generally refers to money, but any gain that that position may bring him, prestige, power, promotion, that can fall under the idea of filthy lucre. That should not be his motive. Motive to serve the Lord. You know, some churches pay big bucks. Some churches pay little bucks. But uh, he should not serve because the money it pays. The pa pastor must never serve at a personal gain. Let her see. The pastor must be eager to work, not apathetic or lazy. The pastor must be eager to work, not apathetic or lazy. Interesting, a pastor makes up his own schedule. And I've tried to keep a schedule that when people know I, when I'm in the church office, I shouldn't be there. So many pastors can get very lazy because they, they don't have to answer anyone in the sense of their schedule. They do. And, but, and so say, we need to be eager to work, not apathetic or lazy. The word is, as a latter part of verse 2, not fulfill the nuclear, but with a ready mind. The word ready mind means willingly, with eagerness and enthusiasm. Willingly, with eagerness and enthusiasm, the pastor should be enthusiastic about the job he has. I believe there's no greater privilege in all the world than be called to preach God's word. Someone once said, if God calls you to preach, don't stoop to be the president. How true that is. Let me say that again. When God calls you to preach, don't stoop to be a president. It's a high calling of God, and there's no, no greater privilege to be called to do just that. And I count it a tremendous privilege that God's called me to do that. Do so with a willing mind, red, eagerness, and enthusiasm. Number three, number three, the pastor's ministry, feed the flock. The pastor's motive, not constraint, but consent. And let number three, the pastor's manner. The pastor's manner. Leadership does not mean dictatorship. Leadership does not mean dictatorship. He says in verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 5, 
He says, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples, examples to the flock. Pastors are to be overseers, not overlords. <laughs> pastors are to be overseers, not overlords. How many have ever seen a pastor that's a dictator? His way or the highway. You do what he says, you hit the road. And there's many that are that way, and it's a manner that can be very uh, deafening to a ministry. It says, neither being as lords over the flock. The word lords here means to lead by dominating someone or some situation. It implies leadership by manipulation and intimidation. Many pastors try to manipulate the people of the church and intimidate them with the position he holds. That is not what God wants them to be, not to be overlords. Someone said this, three major temptations for a pastor. Number one, laziness. Number two, dishonest gain. And number three, demagoguery. In other words, they, being Lord. Many pastors are tempted by all those. Let me give an example of a person who become uh, uh, a dictator of a church. Go with me now to the book of 3 John, please. The book of 3 John. Here's an example of a man who become a dictator in a church and what he did. 3 John. And 3 John is right after... Second John, which is right after First John, right before Jude, then Revelation, so near the back of your Bible. Third John chapter one. Of course, there's only one chapter there. Verse nine. Notice what it says here. This is John speaking. He said, "I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, remember that name, Diotrephes, who loveth to have the what." preeminence among them received us not. Preeminence, what does that mean? He wanted to be number one. <laughs> he wanted to be first in his church. You ever met somebody that way? They never settled for second place. They wanted to be first. They wanted to be preeminence. Who loved to have preeminence among them received us not. In other words, John wrote, he would not even receive John's letters. He would not receive John. Verse 10, wherefore, John said, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth pratting against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doeth, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and cast them out of the church. What it says here, John wrote a letter, Dodgefield would not receive it. Anyone who, uh, he would not let anybody else read it, and those he did, he booted out of the church. Here's an example of a person trying to be a, a dictator in the church. He was not the pastor. Evidently, he was some very uh, person with a, uh, a, a strong personality. But John mentioned him by name. Uh, how would you like? I believe the Bible, the Word of God, endureth forever. Can you imagine having your name in the Bible for all eternity as a man who tried to be a dictator in a church? <laughs> Diotrephes was one of them here. So here's an example. So pastors to be overseers, not overlords. Next. Pastors are to serve by example. Pastors are to serve by example. He said, neither as being lords, in verse 3 of chapter 5 of 1 Peter, neither being as lords over the flock, dictators over the, God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Peter exhorted the elders to be examples, to serve as models for the people to follow. They were not to drive God's people, but to lead them by their examples of mature Christian character. Write this down, please. 
True spiritual leadership is led by example. True spiritual leadership is to lead by example. I believe what the Bible calls it servant leadership. That's a true leader in the Bible, one who leads by example. Don't do as I say, do as I do. <laughs> That's leading by example. Second, first Timothy, excuse me, first Timothy chapter four. Notice what Paul said to a young preacher. His name was Timothy. He told Timothy in first Timothy four, verse twelve, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou and what? Example of the believers, how in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and also in purity. So here, Paul's leading a young man who's a young preacher. The way you lead your congregation is by example. Lead by being the model on how they should do. Pastors are served by example. Number four. Number four. We saw the pastor's ministry, the pastor's motive, the pastor's manner, now the pastor's reward. The pastor's reward. And this, his reward's in the future, not today. Number, verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, And when the chief shepherd, who's the chief shepherd? Is that the senior pastor of the church? Our church has five pastors. Is that referring to him? No. The pastor of the church is not the chief shepherd. Who's the chief shepherd? The Lord Jesus Christ. When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye, talking about the pastors, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Otherwise, you fulfill the responsibility God has given to you in verses 2 through 3. When Christ returns, you'll receive a crown of glory. So let's talk a moment about the chief shepherd. The chief shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ. And number one, we're going to see, we know in Scripture, Jesus Christ is our shepherd. He's our chief shepherd, but he's our shepherd. How many know Psalm 23, verse 1? The Lord is, our, is my what? Shepherd, I shall not want. So the Lord is our chief shepherd. He's the shepherd of each one of us. Isaiah 40, verse 11, God says this, He, the Lord Jesus, shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. He shall gently lead those that are going, uh, that are with the young. So Jesus is our shepherd. Let me give you three things about Jesus being our shepherd. Number one, or number two there, Jesus is the chief shepherd. Jesus, the chief shepherd, it says right there that he's, uh, when the chief shepherd shall appear. As chief shepherd, he's the head of the church. Listen to me carefully, please. Humanly speaking, spiritually speaking, the pastor, the human pastor is the lead, lead, head of the church. But who is ultimately the head of the church? Jesus Christ. Let me give this to you. Just listen to the verses I read them. You can turn if you want to, but I, one of the verses on the screen. Ephesians 1.20 which he, the Lord Jesus, wrought in God wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also the world which is to come. Verse 22, and it put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So the ultimate authority ultimate head of the church is Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.16, listen carefully. It says, for by him were all things created, 
that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that all things that he might have the preeminence. So the Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church. It'd be wise for every human pastor to understand that. Sometimes the, the physical, the human pastor thinks he's the head. Now, he may be the human head, but he's not the ultimate head. The Lord Jesus Christ is. And that's where he should go. Uh, I told you a few minutes ago, the deacons never told me who, what to preach. So where should the pastor go to find out what to preach? He should go to the chief shepherd. <laughs> that's where he should go to the chief shepherd and ask him and, and what to preach. You know, sometimes when I preach on a series, maybe through a text or a, a book, I know exactly what I want to preach next week the next chapter. But sometimes when I go through a book, I, I tell my wife, I finish a message on Sunday, I said, Pastor, I said, honey, I have no idea what I'm going to preach on next week. <laughs> so where do I go? I go to the chief shepherd. Lord, what would you have me to preach? And so he sure lets me know. So number one, the Lord Jesus is the chief shepherd. Number two, or number three there in your, in your notes, he is the good shepherd. The Lord Jesus Christ on the chief shepherd, he's the good shepherd. John 10, verse 11. Christ said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for a sheep. So Jesus is our shepherd. He's our chief shepherd. He is a good shepherd. And number four, Jesus Christ is the great shepherd. Jesus Christ is the great shepherd. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So Jesus Christ, the shepherd, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, and the great shepherd. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice the chief shepherd will reward his under-shepherds. Who's the under-shepherds? That'd be the pastor of the church. The chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, will reward his under-shepherds. It's important for the human pastor to understand he's not the chief shepherd, he's the under-shepherd. We need to go to the chief shepherd for advice and direction. So verse 4, it said, When he, the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall, you pastors shall receive the crown of glory, that fadeth not away. Real quickly, we're about done here. He, will the, the chief shepherd, will evaluate the ministry of the pastors at the judgment seat of Christ. As a pastor one day, I'll stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, and I give an account to him what I've done as his under-shepherd. I will give an account to him what I did as your pastor, what I preached, what I did in this ministry of the time I've been here that he will evaluate my ministry at the judgment seat of Christ. But also, it said he'll reward them with a crown of glory. He'll reward them with a crown of glory. As long as he has done what, what Scripture dictates, tells him to do, one day a pastor will be rewarded with a crown of glory. The latter part of verse 4 there, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. That's the responsibility of a shepherd, a pastor. Now, we don't have time tonight. That's the responsibilities there in 1 Peter. What are the qualifications of a pastor? 
I encourage you to read it in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Is it right? Is that right? Chapter 3? It gives us the qualifications of a pastor. And I encourage you to read that when you get a chance, the qualification of a pastor. All right. Thank you for coming tonight. I'll let you out a little early this evening. And I found when I let you out early, you don't leave. <laughs> you hang around in fellowship with everybody. And that's good. That's good. Uh, let me close with this. We had a pastor, and I, he was a pastor of a church. He was a pastor of a huge church in Pensacola that had about 5,000 members. He was a pastor of Pensacola Christian College Church. And he came here and spoke, and he uh, gave several messages. And uh, before he left, he gave a compliment here that he said he did not find in the campus church at Pensacola. This was not a criticism. It was not a cut. It was just an observation. He says when he dismisses church at the Pensacola uh, campus, he said within 15 minutes, they're gone. Because most, most of them are students. And they just leave and go back to dorms. But he said, Pastor Peterson, it's a half hour and your people are still here. <laughs> and he, he was amazed by that. And I said, you know, our people love fellowship. Our people love being with each other. And I enjoy that, being with you too. Let's bow together, please. Dear Father, I know I went through this quickly and trying to help our people to see the uh, responsibilities, the duties of a pastor. And I pray they will read over these notes again, look over the scripture, because the next pastor, this will be their responsibility, their duties set forth in scripture. And I pray they'll find a man who just fulfill exactly what scripture has dictated in their responsibilities. Well, I thank you for my people here. I thank you for the flock that you've given me and how faithful they've been to this ministry and how loyal they've been to me as their pastor, and I'm so grateful for that. What a joy it's been to pastor them over the years. I look forward to the next year of being with them still. In Christ's name we pray, amen.